farming and fish. There's a lot in common with those worlds. We talked a lot about fish on this program as it relates to farming and the things that farming can do to, you know, protect salmon and protect the environment and, and protect water. The two worlds are actually quite similar, though, between farming and fishing. And great uh, discussion a couple of nights ago at uh, the Alaska Ferry Terminal. Heard it live here on KGMI, as a matter of fact. It was put on by Common Threads uh, and sponsors. Uh, the fishing forum, we, you know, we talked about it uh, here a while back. We, we had a farming forum with those folks. So big thanks to them for, for sponsoring these kinds of conversations in the community. You know, farming and the future of farming is really important to the future of this community overall. So is the future of fishing. And as I heard on, on Thursday night uh, from the speakers at this fishing forum, the, the challenges that fishing is facing in our current economy and our current regulatory landscape, not too different from the world of farming. And I'm bringing on one of those panelists from Thursday night to the program. He's actually gotten involved uh, in some of the advocacy that we're doing here with farming at, at Whatcom Family Farm. By, by the way, Dylan Honkoop with you here. I don't, did I mention my name? Anyway, this is the Farming Show on KGMI News Talk 790. I am Dylan Honkoop, and, and uh, panelist Paul uh, Burrow from the other night at uh, the, the Fishing Forum joins us. He is the co-owner and founder of Sound Pacific Sea foods welcome to the program paul and you the, the the story that you told the picture that you painted the other night it's pretty stark i mean the future is uncertain in a lot of ways for the fishing community that's so focused in, and based on not just alaska everybody knows about alaska but is so tied to western washington here and even whatcom county and bellingham um thanks for speaking out about this so talk about what, what's what's going on with fishing. What are the pressures you guys are facing? Yeah, thanks, Dylan. Great to be here. Um, well, there's lot, lots of lots of industry pressures. I mean, you're the same as, as farming. We have, you know, unreliable markets, weather issues, um, high cost of equipment, energy being fuel for our for our boats is is a lot of money, and and uh, you know some some of the international you know the trade trade is a little different. Sometimes our markets are a little more volatile and and when you have a a strong dollar sometimes that creates hardship for us where i don't necessarily like mm -hmm. to see the rest of the united states str struggle but when the dollar is weaker we tend to do a little better but yep on the other hand i'd i'd rather see everybody have a pretty good platform well that that's the nature of producing something that's exported and sold on a global market right that's correct. That's correct. I and mean, it is a active global market for sure. And really, we are in the same world because farmers are about producing food um, from the natural resources that exist, mostly the dirt and animals. You guys are about producing food from the sea and animals. So so talk about, I mean, how, how do you approach some of these these concerns that you guys have? You say there's a lot similar. Do you think the fishing community has a perspective on this like farming does? I mean, or, or is there maybe some overlap here that people aren't even aware of? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, there's major differences too. I mean, we're, we're not working with a, a product we produce, so it's a it's not a infinite resource. We're out there. It's a very competitive nature. And so where we might be good friends on the beach, 
when we're on the water, <laughs> we're, we're tough competitors. And, but we, we know and understand that. But when, when it comes to the actual marketing of the product, I think everybody knows that the only, the worst piece of product is the, is what the standard set by. So everyone tries to keep that quality up and, and, and try to help everything out. So it's a lot of, a lot of product can sit in the freezer, just like I know berries, some, it happens to the egg industry where we have a backlog for sometimes years. And so it's, it, it's a it's a dynamic market. Paul Burrell with uh, Sound Pacific Seafoods on the program with us here uh, on the farming show, and you know, talking with Paul recently, he said, you know, what we guys what we do is similar to what you guys do. We're about producing food, like you're pointing out. In some ways, it works differently, and I think everybody is aware of generally how fishing and farming work from a basic standpoint. But a lot of people don't know about. And that's the same situation we we are having in farming. A lot of people don't know the specific challenges to producing that food. And I think the same goes with fishing. People are familiar with, you know, oh, they cast a line in the water and pull a fish out. They don't understand how modern commercial fishing works, yet that is where that food that they purchase at the store comes from, right? You, you see this breakdown in, in understanding with the consumer? Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. I, th I think a lot of people, when, when you look at products that you see in the grocery store, uh, you want to stick with stuff that's produced here in the United States, caught in the United States, whether it's farming. I know um, the labor laws are much different for the egg industry in the United States versus, you know, across the border. And, and same thing with ours. We have fishermen are very much conservationists, just like the egg community is. And we want people to eat domestically produced product you know a lot of our seafood product that we see coming in the united states is from overseas and it's mainly because of the the cheaper cost of labor and i, I think the egg industry kind of suffers from that right now as well i thought it was interesting on thursday night you said something about you know what you're out there catching the food that you're producing via what you do is to feed the world um, correct and, we're, and, we're taking and, a public resource and and that was an interesting part about it too, because I thought, well, you know, is that the same as farming? Farming, in in some ways, it's it's not as public of a resource. And like you said, it's not like you guys uh, plant the fish, seed the fish, grow the fish, and then catch them. Uh, you're out there catching something that's that's part of a larger natural process, which may be a bit different than farming. But at the same time, you know, it's producing food from the land, producing food from the sea. Uh, when you do that. Uh, and you face the challenges that you do, and you think about the future. Um, what, what's what's the biggest threat? What what what's going to keep you from being able to to continue doing that? Because I think a lot of people just expect there will always be fish at the, at the grocery store, and it'll be fish that I can afford. And I th I think there's there's always going to be fish. It's how it's produced, where it's produced is is the big thing. We we're faced with a lot of um, issues like like egg is faced with too with. Um, groups that like to place lawsuits on us and that that can really change the landscape for us if if we're if we're faced with these groups that are doing that and it, it could cause a, a closure of our fisheries and it's just we're just shut down and you know there, there's no way for us to make money so um I think paying attention to what type of fish you're buying, make sure it is sustainably sourced. I think the U.S. is pretty conscientious about that, and that's and we're doing a good job there. But it, nonetheless, we're 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 faced with a lot of a lot of different tasks. You know, things we have to overcome. Some of the whale issues we have. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's a lot a lot of conversation around that too. That 
that I think people need to know, um, whether it's from orca whales, killer whales, or grays or humpbacks, and the populations that are out there, and actually what they truly feed on, and where that food source is gone, you know, and, and is it still there? And I, I think there's a lot of a lot of fallacies, but there's there's some truth to you, it. Too. You you said some interesting things uh, the other night about whales, and I think everybody knows well the orcas are struggling, but that's not the story for all whales. And in fact, some whales are doing quite well, and maybe even better than they should be. And that may be blasphemy to, to some people to say that, but that affects what you guys are doing. Correct. And there's there's some great resources out there to see this. I, I'm also part of a uh, whale entanglement task force, and we it's mainly a coastal um, organization. But we deal with these, and we, we get to hear all these statistics of, of the types of whales. Like gray whales are actually above ocean's carrying capacity, which doesn't mean we're, we're okay with taking those. It just means the stock is healthy. And there's, there's multiple stocks within the humpback population where you have breeding stocks and feeding stocks. And we, there is one Central American breeding stock that does tend to park itself off the mid-California coast that's of concern. But luckily, that the humpback whales are growing at roughly 5% per year in population, which is strong. Now, more locally with the killer whales, that, that is more of an issue because they talk about the food source. But there, there's a great group of guys trying to put something together, and it was talked about Thursday night, too, um, with, a, with the salmon nursery, basically, that's being created. And, and being that the killer whales or orca whales prefer, in the, the J-pod at least, the local pod, likes to eat king salmon some of these these nurseries produce pink and chum which happen to be king salmon's favorite food actually 57 percent mm. of their food source so if we can get programs like this around i think it can help fix some of the other other you know problems that surround it surround I, I, the I think, world population i think the average person doesn't even think about that that salmon <laughs> eat other salmon at different parts of their life cycle and that's part of the food chain and producing more of these fish, no matter which way we produce them, is pro providing more food in that overall food chain is basically what you're saying here. And talk about this, this idea. Uh, I know Doug Thomas is kind of kind of an expert on it uh, locally, this idea of, of more of a hatchery system similar to some of the stuff that goes on in Alaska for providing more of these fish that can, can uh, augment, if you will, the, the food chain that's out there. No, it's exactly right. It's a great program. It's proven up in Alaska. Um, you know, there's been a void in the high seas pastures of, of these salmon because, you know, a lot of humans have an impact. And how do we mitigate that impact? And, you know, the the flood, the rivers aren't necessarily able to meet their floodplains anymore. And so those salmon can't necessarily and don't always get the, the proper nutrients up there too there's there's ways to take these these salmon that can be produced and it's it's the real thing they're genetically they're identical the brood what's called the brood stock is taken from pre-existing runs in in the areas near where you want to have the salmon nursery and and so there's no genetic difference whatsoever biologists say they can't even tell the difference when when they do otolith samples so it's a it's a great program and i think it can fix a lot of different things and catch sharing co-management with the with the tribes it's great for their tribal fishermen um i i know there's some getting to be some support behind there there's still a little bit of question going on as to whether it's the best thing but i i think it's I think we can overcome some of the difficulties that Alaska had just due to the fact that they've already perfected it and they're willing to share that information with us. And so what we're talking about is potentially a hatchery to raise these kind of fish 
on the waterfront in Bellingham, so to speak. Uh, again, I, I, we need to have Doug on the show um, one of these soon days to talk more of the specifics, but that's the general idea, right? That's correct. That's correct. You know, you bring those salmon in, it's good for the fishermen. It's good being a, a state or tribal fisherman. Um, we can possibly increase the salmon population to help that J-pot out because um, one fish feeds another. You know, it's, you, you roughly get 3 to 4% return on on the smolt, the, the outsmolting that you have with what the hatcher would produce, and that becomes a food source. So, you know, you essentially have 96% that's being turned into food, and and it's it's crucial to the environment to have that. Paul Burrell is with us, Sound Pacific Seafoods co-owner and uh, founder. Dylan Honkoop with you here uh, on The Farming Show on KGMI and uh, SaveFamilyFarming.org as well. Um Paul, you talked about labor uh, being an issue uh, recently at this forum that that we're talking about. Uh, and, and when you talked about labor, you got a little bit uh, cultural, uh, to be honest, and, and, and voiced <laughs> some concerns about our current culture. This is right in line with the same concerns that the farming community has. Explain what you were saying. I, I thought you really portrayed that well, uh, what the crisis is right now as far as being able to get some of these jobs done. Yeah, I, I think we're, you know, a lot of the young guys that we look at coming come into this industry are just, they have a lot of inadequacies. And I, and I don't think it's necessarily created at home, but when they're at school, I really think it's it's a fault of the educational system right now. And I, I know that's kind of a tough thing for some to hear, but I have kids that are young myself in, in schools and I and I see it happening. Um, it's, it's not hypothetical to me. It's right up front and personal. And I, I have a son and I have a daughter both. So I, I come from both sides. I see both sides. I want a strong daughter nonetheless, but my son is, I also need him to be a boy and become a man one day. And, and we need these men in our workforce. You know, it's, it's each, each, um, gender has specific traits. I think that they're, they're better. They're more inclined to, to, to gravitate towards certain things. And, and we need to celebrate that. And, and we, and we can't tell one gender that's there, you know, they need to settle down or, you know, don't do that because it <laughs> might scare somebody else. So it, I think we, I think so, we really need to. But bo- bottom line is you guys in the fishing world are having a hard time finding enough people to go out there and, and make it happen. Absolutely. It's been a tough thing lately. Um, and it's not just myself. I, I, we, we have an excellent operation, my family and, and it's, or myself, and my wife and, and I, but it's, it's also a lot of the other boats where we, all the captains, we all talk and, and, uh, try to help each other out. And, but in the pool of guys is just decreasing rapidly, really rapidly lately. I guess the thing that they tell us in the uh, farming world, people who are activists and, and, or, even just uh, casual observers who don't really understand the inner workings will often say, well, why don't you just pay more? I mean, do they say that to you as well? If you just paid people more, you'd, you'd get more people, you'd get the workers that you, that you need. You know, and it's true, but sometimes, you know, this is a tough job. You leave home, it's inclement weather. Um, it's a, you don't get to go home at the end of the day. You get to have a meal and lay down in your bunk and you're back up in four hours if you're leaving. So it, it takes the right type of person too, and it's you keep on. If you steal somebody else's employee, you know it, your your friend on the other boat might not be happy about that. And there's in in ultimately there's just no one there. It doesn't matter how much you pay. There there's no one there to take the position. I appreciate some of the comments you made Thursday night uh, about 
what you've been seeing in the farming community here. Talk a little bit about that. You made it sound like there's opportunity to work together. You said people need to unify and, and speak out with a, a common voice on some of these issues. Yeah, absolutely. There's groups that are, I think are affecting both the fishing and the farming industry and, and, and they tend to like to use legal means and they, they put lawsuits on, on agriculture or the state or the fishing industry. And, and, and really, I, I don't see them actually offering any solutions to the problem other than trying to force someone into a, a payout, basically. And then that would just finance the, the next, the next lawsuit. But, you know, I think agriculture and fishing can coexist together really, really well. We have a great processing sector here in this county that both the fishing and agriculturally use. And there's other ways to, other things to put in there too. And it's aquaculture. I talked about that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think we've got a, a great waterfront. Um, there's inland water, inland aquaculture that's starting, it's growing rapidly all around the world. And in the United States, it, it really hasn't. We're, we're lagging behind. What uh, do fishermen not get about farming? You you mentioned um, in in your talk on the forum the other night uh, that maybe f- fishermen don't understand think that that farmers aren't doing anything about some of these fish and, and environmental issues. Well, I think a lot of guys believe that that these streams are just encumbered by by uh, guys out there and excavators digging up areas and and, and changing <laughs> and increasing their field size. But you know, realistically, that's not true. I think. Uh, every farmer is a conservationist in himself and and uh you know there there isn't like i said before there is an impact that humans have and and how do we go about you know changing this and i think working together and talking about those concerns instead of throwing rocks at each other is the best way to do it yeah you said something about well while the farmer's out maybe farming but also trying to you know build fish habitat you're looking at buying a new boat or, or, or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. More equipment. That's right. So Explain it's kinda, what, what do you mean by that comparison? Well, it's a little counterintuitive when, when, when the ag industry is taking a lot of flack for, for stopping fish or killing fish. Well, I'm a fisherman. That's what we do. We're, we're, we're trying to catch these fish and that you guys are trying to produce. So it, it's, it's a little confusing to me how one person can be blamed when another industry is directly catching these, yeah. you know, and, it, and it's both the state and the tribal. And I, th- and I think that the tribes have some pretty, pretty good conversation with the ag industry too, but I, that's where this program that Doug Thomas has been working on just so hard for three years that, that can, it, that can really help abate some of those issues. If we get salmon coming into our near shore areas and, and the catch sharing with the tribe and the state fishermen, it's really a win-win. Paul Burrell with uh, Pacific uh, Sound Pacific Seafoods. Thank you for your time. We appreciate you chatting with us on the program. We're out of time for now, um, but keep up the good work and let's stay in touch. And I, I think there's a lot of uh, working together that can be done between uh, the world of fishing and the world of farming and producing food for a hungry world. Uh, people aren't getting less hungry as we go. And as we look at at the population projections, we're not that far away from heading towards 10 billion people on this, uh, this ball that goes around the sun. We got to feed them. And, and this is ground zero for that kind of stuff, isn't it? That's right, Dylan. And uh, I think working together is the best way to, to find some really good solutions. Thanks so much, Paul. We appreciate it. Thanks, Dylan.